welcome aboard to another podcast edition of White Collar Crimes. I am your host, Ryan Horn. So good to have you aboard here as always. Now, on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about, similar to the last one where we talked about Meyer Lansky, the mobs accountant here in the U.S., we're going to talk about somebody who is very similar to that, only uh, for the first time here, we're going to step outside the boundaries of the United States that I can recall. I think all the cases that we've always covered on this podcast happened right here in the good old U.S. of A., but uh, in this case, we're going to cover a white-collar criminal, if you will, very similar to Meyer Lansky, and he could probably be known as Australia's, uh, all the Australian mobs accountant. And I know from the data that I get back with uh, Anchor that we have quite a bit of listeners that do tune in from the land down under there, and we are certainly glad to have you aboard, so we want to give you a story here from your country, and uh, some that, you know, some of you listening from Australia might even be familiar with uh, this case, but this concerns a mobster bookmaker that was uh, known as George Freeman. Now, he was raised in uh, Sydney, in the Sydney area. Uh, His parents divorced when he was young, and his stepfather died uh, when he was young. After the divorce, supposedly his father wasn't around a whole lot, which uh, left him unsupervised, and what often happens when Young boys are left in that situation. They turn to lives of crime. Uh, He spent some time on juvenile probation before he uh, dropped out of school. Now, he was born in the 1930s, so, you know, dropping out back then as a teenager was not, you know, probably, I'm guessing, in Australia, not that different than it is here in the United States, Uh, you know, back in the 1940s, 50s, and whatnot, uh, or even the 30s before that. It's, you know, not unusual for somebody to drop out of school as a teen, especially... You know, these were hard economic times a lot of times, and people had to help go to work and uh, help support their parents and siblings and things like that. So not that all unusual, but uh, he did not finish school. Uh, While he dropped out, he managed to find work as a stable hand and uh, said during this time as a youngster he was a big-time admirer of the Australian criminal Darcy Dugan, who is a notorious, apparently, uh, Australian uh, criminal. Now, he continued to rack up a lot of offenses as a young man, mostly, you know, thefts and more petty stuff, but he did do enough serious crime to where he did a little bit of time, short prison time, in the infamous Fremantle Prison in Western Australia. Supposedly a pretty tough... uh, prison to do some time in, pretty famous one, Uh, I believe the one I was looking at, you know, preparing for this podcast, I don't think it's in operation now, at least not what it was now, and if I recall correctly, I think it was even going by a different name, what it was used before, but nonetheless, he did do some prison time, which I don't know, again, you know, if in the codes of Australian mafia, but maybe I know in the United States, that certainly would give him, as they say, you know, a little street cred, things like that, having done time in prison even for a very short period of time, would at least uh, establish to the Mafia that he is dedicated to his craft, which is a crime. Now, after prison, he supposedly falsified a passport and came here to the United States and met with Chicago mobster Joe Testa to kind of be schooled and educated and groomed, if you will, to... uh, 
become an organized crime member. So uh, he learned from some of the best. And we'll talk about in a little bit, he even possibly could have had some connections to the mob's accountant, Meyer Lansky, who, you know, as you know, if you tuned into last week's podcast, he was the uh, focus of that podcast. So he learned uh, some very good business skills. And as you'll see, maybe that's one of the things, just as it did for Lansky, you know, it set Lansky apart from a lot of the... uh, rank-and-file mobsters, if you will, and kept Lansky out of prison and kept him from getting whacked, so to speak. And, uh, you know, possibly, as you'll see, that may have worked for Mr. Freeman as well. Now, whether he learned all that from Lansky or from Testa here, we don't really know, but uh, he did come to the good old U.S. of A. here to get schooled on organized crime. And let's face it, you know, uh, if you are wanting to be a criminal, there's Probably no better place to learn than here, you know, because sadly we do have a lot of crime here in the United States. And, uh, you know, organized crime is uh, one of the products we have of our society. And, uh, you know, if you are, you know, wanting to learn how to do it, I'm sure this is a good place you could learn to do it. And that is exactly what Mr. Freeman did. Of course, you know, this is a time also he's a young man here. It's a lot easier to falsify a passport and travel and do that kind of thing than it is probably now. You know, and we run into that a lot on this podcast. A lot of crimes were committed in times when it was easier to do than compared to now. But nonetheless, he did do it, supposedly, and uh, came here and got schooled quite well on how to be an organized criminal. Now, with his background in horses, he had, uh, you know, because like I said, he worked as a stable hand, and supposedly he quickly became very skilled in illegal bookmaking and bet taking because you know horse races are popular in a lot of parts of the country i'm sure it's a popular you know event in australia certainly is here in the united states you know i'm in the southern illinois area which is pretty close to kentucky and you know i know it's a very big sport you know we have bluegrass downs and things like that in louisville and you know a very very the kentucky derby all these things it's very popular sport there and you know sure it's no different there and uh you know a lot of gambling takes place betting on horses you know it's a lot of you know many a a bloke has lost a good chunk of change probably betting on a horse and you know he learned the trade very well it helped that he learned some you know good uh mafia white collar business skills while he was in the united states and then after that you know putting that together with the experience he had as a stable hand and you know some knowledges that he probably picked up about horses and you know the industry in general uh this came in handy to him to be able to prepare uh for his future career as a you know as you'll see a white collar mobster criminal now by the late 1970s at this point he's you know uh at this point in his 40s he began to kind of appear on the radar of law enforcement you know had a pretty good run but uh over time eventually almost all of them with their activities will find their way on the radar of, uh, you know, some organized crime figure. I mean, uh, to, or some organized crime figure will find their way on a law enforcement radar. And uh, it was no different for Mr. Freeman. He certainly found himself in that situation as well. Found himself targeted by the Stuart Royal Commission, which was formed in 1981 to kind of track drug trafficking activities of then drug lord terry clark and you know a little background on mr clark he was one of the very big drug lords uh, originally from new zealand and lived and operated some in australia would even travel to uh 
England and the UK and operate there. And I believe, if I recall correctly, he was murdered in prison, you know, uh, and possibly also had some dealings in Scotland and a lot of other places in that area. And, you know, a good place to find information on him and Mr. Freeman in any of these. I saw this a few years back. There is a series for those of you, I mean, I know those of you listening in Australia and New Zealand and places like that are probably certainly familiar with the series of Underbelly. Uh, But I got into that a few years ago, started watching it. I learned a few things about some organized crime in your countries. And a very fascinating series. And uh, you can find it on most of the streaming services. I think Roku recently had it on. And I believe Tubi does if you have it. Um, It's also available on DVD. You can get it, I think, on Amazon. Now, keep in mind, though, if you're here in the United States, make sure it's uh, compatible to the region that we have here in North America. I found that out few years back around that time too that you got to make sure to you know and thankfully I did I have this series on DVD actually but found out that uh, you can get this uh, you know you got to make sure it's compatible with the DVDs in your region because if they're not they will not play on your DVD or Blu-ray player or whatever you have so if if that's the way you end up checking it out make sure it is compatible with the Blu-ray or DVD player in your region. But excellent series. It follows a lot of different periods in uh, Australia's uh, history with uh, organized crime as well. And, you know, for such a young country, it was kind of surprising to me to see, you know, the amounts of organized crime that they had. You know, I learned a little bit about Mr. Freeman here, Terry Clark, uh, in more recent times in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, Carl Williams, the famous uh, drug trafficker who was murdered in prison, as supposedly was Mr. Clark, or supposedly Mr. Clark was reported to have a heart attack in prison, but as you'll see, it's very suspicious circumstances, and a lot actually speculate that he might have actually been murdered in prison, but really cool series. I think there's about six or seven uh, seasons on it, and then there's some shorter ones about uh, that Mark Chopper Reed, the biker gang mobster in there, so... If you're, you know, not from Australia, I think you would still, as I did, find this very fascinating. You know, if you're just somebody that's, you know, studies crime and, you know, and, and likes to learn about it. I think, uh, you know, if you're a person that likes true crime series like this podcast or some on television, you'll enjoy that series. So definitely recommend checking it out. But his affiliations with Mr. Clark, who was certainly on the radar of law enforcement, got Mr. Freeman on their radar as well. And also, he was known to be associated with powerful mobster uh, Lenny McPherson. And the two would team up later in the King's Cross area. Now, McPherson was a little more violent than was Freeman. Again, Freeman was more of the brains, uh, bean counter businessman of the deal. But McPherson, I think, kind of operated more as the muscle. Kind of similar, again, to Lansky and uh, Bugsy, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel that we talked about last week. And they operated in the famous nightclub area outside of uh, Sydney known as King's Cross. And I believe it's season three of Underbelly. It's called the Golden Mile or something. We'll really tell you about all the corruption that went on here. And the interesting thing on that was it wasn't just the police. I mean, it wasn't just the organized crime that was involved in the, the illegal drug trafficking, the prostitution, everything. Very, very corrupt police forces involved in that. And, uh, were, you know, again, it's a white-collar crime for sure. They're making a lot of money off extortion and getting their cut from these uh, organized crime syndicates and tons of corruption. As you'll see there, a lot of the law enforcement, sadly, were just as corrupt as the organized crime that were there. And McPherson and uh, Freeman were, you know, right in the thick of it. They ran that area and made all the money off of it. And uh, 
you know, a lot of bad things went on there for a long time. And some of it, as you'll see if you check that series out, some of it even turned violent. Uh, finally, an MP, which, you know, again, if I'm understanding, uh, you know, your governing system in, in Australia is similar to what we have here in the United States. is like a senator uh, named John Hatton, who is a kind of a crime crusader, uh, campaigned a lot on cracking down on crime, but in reforming the police as well. He recognized there was a lot of police corruption in Sydney and New South Wales and places like that at the time. And a lot of them on the take and a lot of them making money. And as I said, you know, that's white collar crime. If you're in a position of authority like a police officer and you're making money illegally, you know, through extortion or partnering up, partnering, partnering up with organized crime and things like that, you know, make no mistake about it. That's white collar crime, folks. That's an abuse of power to line your pockets and make money. And as Mr. Hatton saw, there was a ton of that going on in uh, Kings Cross, Sydney, New South Wales, all of that in that area down there. And uh, he decided to form a commission to crack down on that. And he, uh, you know, recognized uh, George Freeman as kind of being the brains and the, uh, you know, bookwork guy behind a lot of this organization, which he totally was. Now, in his criminal career, though, interesting, even though he was on the radar, you know, we're talking here at this point, we're talking well into the 80s. And, you know, he had been on law enforcement's radar for quite some years at this point. But uh, he had faced very little criminal crime charges once he got, you know, out of prison as a very young man. You know, he had a lot of juvenile stuff and stuff as a young man, mostly petty stuff, like I said, but he did do a short stint in prison. Um, But, you know... Despite most of the charges he faced in his life, uh, he did no jail time after his early prison sentence, which again, you know, like I said, was one of the fascinating things about Lansky. Almost all of these mobsters in the United States either ended up in prison or dead, and some of them killed in prison, you know, so they got the worst of both worlds. Uh, That didn't happen with Freeman, though, and uh, he had a lot of charges over the years that uh, were levied against him, including bribery, some illegal gambling, a lot of drug trafficking, and some even up to murder for hire, or murder, but more murder for hire. Now, there's an interesting scene in that underbelly also. I can't remember if it was season two or three where it shows where he and Lenny McPherson killed one of the uh, hot-headed mobster, you know, hitmen that they have there. I can't remember the guy's nickname he had, but the guy was just a nut, loose cannon, and was flying off the handle and drawing a lot of unnecessary attention from the mob, uh, to, from law enforcement onto them. So they had him whacked. Now, if I remember right, I think McPherson pulled the trigger on that. But uh, it was an interesting, uh, you know, scene on it there. But he was involved in a lot of murder for hire. Don't know if he actually did a lot of the murders, but it was certainly alleged and speculated that he did a lot of, uh, you know, murder for hire, which again is not that uncommon in organized crime because that's a lot of what goes on in organized crime. But after 1967, he only faced some minor book-making convictions, which, again, you know, like I said, not long after he got out of prison on the short stint, he mostly just faced some minor charges, uh, even though he might have been suspected and, you know, uh, believed to have done more. Most of what he got were a couple little minor book, uh, illegal book-making convictions, which resulted in some fines only. And, uh, you know, again, just like Lansky, he escaped the, uh, you know, vicious hammer falling down of the justice system. Now, though he had good business and criminal skills, he did neglect to take care of his health, though. 
uh, and I think I'm pronouncing this right, he became addicted to pethidine or a more commonly nuts known a drug here in the United States is Demerol. And it's an opioid pain med, which, you know, we've done some podcasts on drug companies. And, uh, you know, it's been a while back early on in the history of this podcast. We're probably going back a year and a half or more. We we did one on uh, the opioid crisis here in the United States. And and it is just that. Uh, Highly addictive stuff. And uh, despite having good sense for books and brains and illegal business, he got hooked on this and that's caused him to suffer a lot of other problems because supposedly he suffered from asthma and uh you know probably some of the other lifestyle choices he had maybe uh could have affected him later also being reported to have suffered from some kidney diseases in his later years and was also said he was a heavy smoker which certainly doesn't help if you have asthma or breathing issues and uh, these all took their toll on him, and he was reported to have passed away on March 20th, 1990, I think about the age of 55 or so. So still a young man, but, uh, you know, the painkiller addiction along with the heavy smoking and kidney diseases and uh, other problems he had, that uh, all took a toll on him, and he died at his home. But as I said, you know, he wasn't whacked or murdered or taken out on a contract hit, and he wasn't... Uh, you know, didn't die in prison, an old man like, you know, plenty of these other ones did. And, uh, you know, that is kind of the amazing thing, how he managed to avoid that, just as, uh, you know, Meyer Lansky avoided. And if you didn't get to hear that one last week, definitely, you know, recommend getting on Anchor or Spotify or wherever you hear this podcast and check that one out as well. That can give you a little bit of a background because, you know, as I said, it's possible that while he was here in the United States meeting with uh, Joe Testa, it's uh, been reported and rumored that uh, Mr. Freeman got a little bit of a street education on organized crime from Meyer Lansky, too. And, you know, sounds like it paid off because he did at least manage to stay out of prison and on uh, getting whacked. So he could be considered, as I said, just as uh, Lansky's nickname is the mob's accountant. I think you could probably say that about George Freeman. He could probably be considered Australians, Australia's mob accountant. Um, So, yeah, check out this. Uh, He is portrayed supposedly, not supposedly, he is portrayed by actor Peter O'Brien in the Underbelly series. And he's featured in seasons two and three. Uh, Season two is A Tale of Two Cities, and season three is The Golden Mile. He's uh, portrayed by Mr. O'Brien in both of these. And good series. Again, no matter what country you're from, I think you would enjoy it. Uh, You know, I I certainly did uh, very much enjoyed that series. So, Check that one out and uh, check us out next week. We'll always be glad to have you aboard. And as I always say, send us ideas for a show if you want. Um, maybe uh, we'll be keeping you a special update soon because on February 8th, our friend Mr. Bankman Freed is going back to court. So we plan on having an update bonus podcast on that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, like our White Collar Crimes Facebook page, uh, follow this podcast. Please give us a five star rating, give us a good rating. Keep us going, shining the truth on the wealthy, rich, and elite criminals that very rarely get the scrutiny they deserve. And that's something we try to do on this podcast and try to educate the country on the series, or in the world for that matter. Because again, we have a lot of you tuning in from other countries and we want to educate the world uh, on the seriousness of white collar crime. It's not just street crime out there. People are being harmed by this as well. And we want to make sure people continue to get educated on that. And we are very glad to have you aboard doing that. Uh, you know, email me some ideas, uh, ryanhornvt at gmail.com. Uh, check out my website, ryan-horn, 
Sonsofliberty.com if you are interested in voiceover work. Uh, like I said, got the Sons of Liberty audio book that's out on Audible and Amazon now. Have one coming out very soon. Uh, it's just been submitted and will be out anytime. And a little over halfway through with another one. Uh, be announcement on that coming down the road. So lots of stuff going on to keep up with. As I always say, be sure and check out your local pet shelter to adopt your next best friend. Uh, Support them in any way you can, and we thank you for supporting us any way you can. Uh, God bless everybody. Take care. We will see you back here next week.